seeing people that come out of places like the Inland Empire, it means something to me. It means something for kids to have another mentor that he's a little bit, you know, of a diverse guy. He doesn't have this this niche until he's about 24, 25. And I think that's okay, man. I think it's okay for people to kind of figure out their their entrepreneurial spirit later. And this world is getting so hard, man. I mean, to me, for me, I think the middle class is now just be, becoming absent, more and more absent. Um, it's just like you're either really making it or you're kind of struggling. Um, and so for for me, I want to help people. I just I, I've seen a lot of money. I've lost a lot of money. I've you know I've uh, I've learned, and and I think that I just want to continue to keep people motivated. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Abundant Journey podcast. Thank you for jumping in with us today and hope you're having a great week. Super excited about this episode. Nick, I'm bringing you in. How are you, sir? Yeah, I am doing really well. And I'm so excited to introduce our listeners to my friend, Devon Alexander. Uh, I met Devon uh, a little over a month ago, but it feels like I've known him my entire life. Uh, He's an amazing guy. Um, He's got an awesome story, awesome background, grew up in the LA area, uh, is a a baller, uh, amazing basketball player, um, played in college, uh, went on to to play uh, overseas, and then also uh, has entrepreneurial spirit. So he's done a whole bunch of things um, in terms of building businesses, real estate, investing. And uh, he's also an amazing coach, amazing mentor, somebody who loves to give back. And so I know that he's also got a mentorship program that he's getting off the ground. So Devon, I'm not going to steal too much of your thunder. I want for you to tell (laughs) your story to our listeners, but just thrilled to have you on, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well, brother. It's good to be here, man, with you guys. You guys have, uh, what you're doing here is awesome. So I'm excited. Uh, uh, we appreciate that. And uh, and it's nice to have somebody else on the show who's local. It feels like the last few weeks we've been talking to people from Florida or down in the south. And you're right here, man, in, in Clark County, Washington. You're coming to us from uh, from Battleground, right? Yes, sir. Battleground, Washington. And as you know, a California boy, uh, it's a little bit different, but um, I'm starting to fall in love with the place, man. I'm starting to get used to it. So, Yeah. So how long have you been in the, the battleground, kind of Vancouver, uh, greater Portland area? Well, I've, uh, I've been an Oregon uh, boy now for about 10 plus years. I, I actually played basketball at Western Oregon. And so the Pacific Northwest vibe is 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 natural to me now. Um, but Battleground, I've been here for about two and a half years since 2021. Okay, so. right on. And maybe give us a, an overview of what's a, a a day in the life look like for you right now. What are the things that um, you're up to in terms of, of business and the things that you're you're growing? Well, man, that's a that's a good question. I'm I'm sort of redefining what my day looks like as a real estate investor and, and private money broker. Um, you know, obviously being able to set my own schedule, uh, that's, that's been something I got used to a little bit over the years, but, um, mm-hmm. now it's, it's more of a grind, man. I'm into fitness. I try to make sure that I at least get a workout in, you know, when I wake up, if not, I make sure I punish myself late at night at some <laughs> point. Um, you know, I love the gym, so make sure I get that done and, and then just kind of hit the work, man. Hit the emails, see what's going on, see what's cooking, see what my virtual assistants have uh, for me and, and kind of just, just go from there, plan out the week. 
Yeah. And is the primary thing that you're doing right now, you feel like real estate investing and what does that look? I mean, you mentioned private money as well. So maybe uh, for our listeners who are less familiar with private money, um, explain what that looks like for you. Yeah, of course. So um, a few years ago, I invested into a, uh, a real estate wealth network group and a capital group called Kogo Capital. And I got certified as a private money broker through Kogo Capital. And, and basically, we're just a, a private money lending group. And we sort of do different creative deals uh, for real estate investors. You know, and that, that can look like on the commercial side uh, from all the way to, you know, residential or fix and flips and stuff like that, man. It's been an awesome journey uh, learning uh, through my Coco Capital Group and private money broker system. It's uh, It's been awesome. And obviously, as you know, we met through real estate. Yeah. And, uh, and so that journey has just been wonderful here. And I, and I love what the, you know, the Battleground Washington area is doing. That's what really attracted me was the new development here. Um, from what I saw two, three years ago, moving from Wilsonville, Oregon, uh, we were shopping uh, around for some houses to kind of get into, and I stopped at Battleground, and I didn't even know this place existed off the I-5, and here it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's been a wonderful journey, man. The best-kept secret right of the Northwest, and I will uh, say, oh, having yeah. lived and grown up in Battleground, you know, the Northwest gets this rap for so many people leaving the Northwest for different reasons, but I think you're right, Devon. There's a ton of people right now continuing to move into this area and things are growing, vibrancy is happening. And Nick, I mean, you can even speak to that just as your time as a realtor with a new developer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's an area that's exploding and for good reason. Of course, I got my biases as a, <laughs> as a realtor, but, uh, but I can't imagine a better place to buy real estate. So that's right. <laughs> well, uh, Devon, I, I definitely want to circle back on um, on private money. I, I would love for you to share with our listeners uh, in a bit what creative finance looks like and the opportunities that, that opens up for different people that want to get into real estate investing. Because um, yeah. I think what you're doing in that space is is really cool. Um, but before we get there, I want to hear more about your story. I want to hear about what got you into entrepreneurship and where you think the seeds of uh, running a business were first planted. So do you think that was like all the way back in, in childhood? Did your, your folks I got some stories. Kind of I got some yeah. stories. Yeah. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll start with one um, that's kind of funny when it, you, you know, when you ask me that and it pops up into my head, man, I was selling uh, candy at like uh, third, fourth grade. So, right. um, you know, I was the guy that was kind of walking around. I went to like, whether it was Safeway or Walmart, I would grab a bunch of candy and I would sell them for like 50, 75 cents a dollar for some Snickers. Um, you know, and that was really like where I knew uh, I had something about me on the sales side because yeah. I knew that I can sell things. Um, and then, I mean, we can just go skip a few years. When I was 16 years old, I, I met a guy named Reggie King. I think he was a partner of KB Homes. I don't know if yeah. you guys are familiar with KB Homes down in California, yeah. but they they're pretty big. And Reggie actually lived um, as uh, around the block from me. He wasn't my neighbor, but he was about like a few houses down. And he uh, brought me to his car dealership. And when you want to talk about being lucky, man, and having that first mentor at 16 years old, other than your father, because my father was my first role model. 
um, and taught me everything that I knew on how to treat a lady, how to, you know, how to have mm-hmm. faith in God. And I'm like a perfect mix of my mom and dad, man. A lot of people are, you know, kind of one way or the other. I'm like smack dab in the middle. Um, <laughs> you know, my my dad taught me everything about sports. Uh, you know, I did kickboxing, karate, Muay Thai, basketball, football, man. I was, we were always Dang. traveling all over the place. And, you know, my mother was that, that mom that, you know, hey, keep your faith in God, you know, stay down, stay low, be humble. So, I mean, to be honest, the credit goes to them. Uh, yeah. When I, when I talk about, you know, who I am and, cool. and how lucky I am, because I kind of observed a lot of, a lot of things through them, man. It's, uh, that's awesome. You know, the tough times, the trials, the tribulations, and then the success. So yeah. it's, were, it's, it's were been you, awesome. Were your folks entrepreneurial? Like, was that kind of in the culture of your family or? Of course. My, my father, man, my dad, uh, he's a truck driver and owns his own transportation company okay. now. But I seen him grind, dude, like at Food for Less, uh, you know, at 12 at night and then hop in the truck at like 11 a.m. I don't know how he did it, but... The work ethic of the entrepreneurship came from him and, you know, seeing what he he was going through kind of brought things into perspective Uh, for me when I was 19. I remember I was in college and I made the decision. I was like, Dad, I promise you one day you're never going to have to work again. Mm. And so I'm on that journey, you know, uh, to kind of get those those beautiful people uh, retired. (laughs) So. No, that, yeah, I love that. I love man. that, and and you know the heart behind that, and it's there's so many of our guests who have had that similar heartbeat. In I want to give back to the folks who have poured so much into me, and knowing that mm-hmm. that's a, a huge goal of yours. I mean, what a great opportunity to and, and a thing to be pursuing. I'm curious. You've shared a little bit about your story with sports and how instrumental it was along mm-hmm. your journey. And I know we'll dive more into that, but I, I'm wondering what are some of the lessons early in sports as you were in different types of activities? What were some of those yeah. lessons you learned or maybe principles or skills that were instilled into you that's helped you in entrepreneurship? Yeah, uh, good question, Nick. So, I mean, obviously you hear a lot of uh, about, you know, going through that struggle of, you know, putting in so much work and trying to focus on that end result. And I learned early that, you know, you just got to fall in love with the process. You know, don't don't try and have that destination as your as your main pedestal. Like most kids, um, you know, will will cry if they miss a layup or cry if they miss the game winning free throw. And, you know, I, I actually did miss a game winning free throw against Marietta Valley High School. I remember to this day, but that that moment was was where, you know, got a good support group of people. And like I said, I've had mentors since I was younger, not only through my father, but through his friends as well. And so I had this, this, this shell of people that taught me, dude, this will pass, you know, this mm-hmm. moment, whatever it is that you're going through, you've put so much time and energy into, it's going to pass whatever adversity you're dealing with. And I think that set me up as I got older to understand entrepreneurship a little bit better, because as you know, as we all know, when we're when we're building something, we kind of go through a process of learning. You know, sometimes you're the accountant, sometimes you're the marketer, sometimes or you're everything. You know, and then you gotta you gotta kind of teach yourself a little bit, uh, a little bit here and there. So I think I think if I had to put one point to it, I think it's just falling in love with the process of of hard work and not focusing on that destination. 
That's well said. I, I like that perspective a lot. And uh, that's something that, that Nick and I talk consistently about. We, we consistently talk about consistency and mm-hmm. building those uh, processes and systems and falling in love with those things and trusting that results are going to come if you mm-hmm. just stick to the process and, uh, and don't get too caught up in the losses or setbacks. Um, 100%. Yeah. And I love that that was just kind of in your DNA as far as uh, jumping back to what you were saying about selling candy, uh, third, fourth grade. Man, <laughs> it's funny. We, uh, I think you're the, the fourth person on the podcast. Um, we've interviewed, interviewed successful <laughs> entrepreneurs that have been selling candy at like a very early uh, age. There's some trends going on there, there, man. There's a theme, <laughs> man. Like, yeah, if, if you want to know if your kid is going to be an entrepreneur, Entrepreneur, I think you got to get them out there selling candy when they're, you know, not until no years doubt. old. Um, and I, and I got to ask, Nick, uh, my daughter, she was set up a stand and was selling pears, four for a dollar. I don't know if that counts as candy, but, you know, maybe we'll make an exception for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Healthier, healthier than candy, that's for sure. Yeah. I, we're getting into the fall now. Can you can you do a caramel dip there pear? We can find a way to add some sugar to that and get that, uh, that qualified. But um, so, I mean, selling was just kind of in your DNA early on. You mentioned um, mentorship being huge and this guy, Reggie King, um, that mm-hmm. you met and him kind of taking you uh, under his wing. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did you feel like were kind of early opportunities or, or set the vision for you of like, I'm not going to go down the traditional, uh, get a W2 job, work yeah. in some other business. Cause I mean, it sounds like to me, just knowing your story, um, you really haven't spent much time doing a W2, like from the get go, you've pretty much always been managing your own schedule, finding sources of income. Um, is yeah. that fair? Yeah, well, that's that's like seventy five percent true, and I'll tell you the twenty five percent comes from um, you know I I actually have done quite a few um, small three month jobs. Like when I say okay. three month job jobs, like at seventeen years old, I think I worked at Target for three months because um, you know I did I did have this I don't want to say this love for money, but I I had this desire for money because I didn't want to have my parents pay for anything. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I ended up working at Target. I've worked as a traffic control flagger before. And, and, and this is a funny story. Uh, this is actually in college at Western Oregon. I was driving uh, home one day on 99 and I, I pulled over. And obviously there's a stop sign, a guy holding the stop sign. And I've never, ever knew what traffic control flagging entailed, dude. This doesn't yeah. happen in California like it does in, in Oregon. And so... Um, anyway, I talked to him, I said, Hey man, how much are you making doing this? And he's like, Oh, right now I'm making about 55 an hour. And so I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, what? And that, you know, and I, mind you, I, I, I was a freshman in college at 17 for, for the summer. And then, you know, my birthday's in June. So I turned 18 as a freshman, but I liked that idea of making $55 an hour in the summer. So I did a summer job as a traffic control, uh, flagger and, I did that for about two years in the summer during college off and on. And, and another uh, caveat is through that, I met a couple connections with some football players that did firefighting, wildland firefighting. Okay. And so, yeah, so um, that, that's what I'm saying, man. I, like, in terms of the grind and 
and, and chasing money. I've always dabbled in like a few different things at a time. And I finally, uh, you know, hit a niche with, um, you know, starting my own company in college when I just trained kids and I was training uh, in basketball. I was a personal trainer for skill development for kids. So, you know, that's that's funny that you mentioned W-2 because I don't want to ever do a W-2 again. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? But the the grind from a W-2, it, it, it meant something to me. I have done, done a little bit here and there. And in that, Devon, I mean, what, you know, obviously your dad was doing W-2 before he started his own trucking company. So was there something mm-hmm. there for you that said, like, this just, it doesn't fit my personality? Or was it that you had had an experience? You know, I mean, what kind of set you on this path of being an entrepreneur and, and made you say, like, this this other way is not not my way? Right. So where, where I'm from, uh, we, we call it the IE. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that that phrase, but it's basically Fontana, California, um, Rancho Cucamonga area, Ontario, California. And it's just this like the circumference of cities that um, create what's called the Inland Empire. And the stigma on the Inland Empire is you don't get out of there unless you're like on a scholarship playing sports. Um, you kind of get sucked into the life of just doing hard service work. Mm. You know, there's a lot of industrial transportation jobs or industrial warehouse jobs. And if you have a sales job, you kind of go, got to go outskirts to like closer to L.A. or Anaheim. And for me, seeing my dad kind of go through that grind and getting us into a house finally from the apartments. And, you know, I just made that decision like, man, I have to learn skills that are outside of Inland Empire. I have to learn like different salesmanship skills, different uh, public speaking skills. And I immediately knew that once I got my first scholarship offer, I was going to accept it out of state. And so I all I almost had the 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 readiness to be able to learn from somebody else outside of my family because you know, credit to them. They, they did the best they could, but they only know and can teach what they know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I, uh, I, I, that's, that's what it was for me. I just wanted to be successful from an early age and, and I'm just sort of, you know, finally redefining and got my master at what I actually want to do yeah. for the rest of my life. No, that's, yeah. that's awesome. And I think that gets overstated. It's interesting. We've had quite a few guests as well who realized that, the place they were at wasn't going to help them reach their goals or dreams. And so Mm -hmm. they were willing to take steps to get out of that environment. And not that they were in bad environments, like you're saying, but ultimately it didn't align. And so I think there's some lessons there to learn in terms of that, whatever it takes mentality and really being honest about your environment, because so many people never make that move outside of their comfort safe bubble but you knew that it was going to be instrumental for you. It, it, it could be scary, man. It's, it, there's a lot of fear um, stepping out of your, your hometown and, and, you know, all that comfort that comes with your friends and going out on the weekends. Like, I get it. And that's one thing that I try to, I try to instill in the younger 
you know, the younger people, right? When I say younger, I feel like I'm 40. I'm only 29, but um, <laughs> you got that but, old soul vibe. Man. Yeah, That's good. yeah. I'm yeah. like, again, I always tell people I'm smack dab in the middle, man. I'm not on TikTok, but I definitely am on Facebook. So, yeah. um, you know what I mean? But, but uh, at the end of the day, like, you know, for me, I, I, I now have this passion for giving back, as you mentioned, Nick, uh, with my mentorship program. And I don't know it all. I'm never going to act like I know it all, but. I know that my mentors want me to pay it forward because I would I wouldn't be who I am man without them. And I your previous podcast I think it was with Conrad. Yeah. Um, you know I listened to that and he you know he 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 hit it right on the head. I I finally in the last couple of years got to the point where you know I I don't really need to pay attention to what people think anymore. Mm. You know because when you're younger and you're a young entrepreneur you get caught up in. You know, when you're in a room walking, trying to trying to impress that older executive or that older potential business partner, whatever it is, it could be yeah. a variety of things. But um, that for me, that's what I want young young people to know is that go after your dreams and and don't worry about what people think, because that that can keep you stagnant. Yeah. Totally. That's a good word. So, man, you made a big move, uh, leaving the IE, moving up to Oregon, attending college there, started building, um, sounds like your first like real business that was yours with uh, the training of uh, other younger uh, athletes. And then um, I know basketball was, was huge for you. That was a big part of why you went to um, Western Oregon, right? Um, yeah, yep. I got a scholarship. Uh, well, actually, I broke my ankle my senior year when I had a couple Division One offers, and um, Western Oregon was the only school that made the most sense to stay um, competitive. Yeah, um, you know, and, and we ended up being uh, uh, number one in the nation my my junior year. Wow. Um, and we, you know, beat up on Oregon State, who they rescinded their offer uh, when I when I broke my ankle. So I was like, "Got you, boys." Felt good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Let me get you, boys." And we played Oregon, and we were tied with them at half. But we, man, that, that's gonna haunt me forever. But anyway, um, you know, it, it, just the journey of of coming to Oregon and getting out of state, out of the state of California, was just a blessing, man. So many uh, friendships and relationships to this day that that are gonna last forever. Mm, so, love that. Yeah. And then with basketball post college, I mean that took you overseas for a few years, right? So what yeah. did that what did that time look like? Yeah, so man, the the coming from a Division two uh, at Western Oregon, mind you, it's very hard politically to even find an agent that's going to believe in you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, I had somewhat of a polished game enough where. And we were on TV and we went, you know, we went to the final four. Um, so I had some reputation about me, but I mean, dude, I'm, I'm, you know, at, with my highest LeBron's on, I'm about six, two. Okay. Um, and so when you're going overseas, man, you're, you're getting everything from everybody that didn't make the NBA, from everybody that didn't make the G league, from everybody that's in the Euro top league, Euro B league. And the competition was high. So I, I actually played in a couple places. I played in Canada um, for a little bit, I had a stint in Winnipeg, Manitoba, yeah. um, and then I, then I, you know, got traded to a team in in British Columbia, and so like I started noticing, man, like these guys are just going to use me for two, three months, and then just ship me off. And so mm. <laughs> I, I knew that basketball, my passion, I had to finally accept, like, hey, you're never going to make a certain amount of money, man. 
you yeah. know, because, you know, once you get to 25, there's a new 23, 24 year old that's six, seven, you know, yeah. 100, 190 pounds that that's going to, you know, compete against you. So for me and, and through basketball, though, honestly, Nick, um, I met a lot of my business uh, mentors through traveling. Uh, yeah. You know, the commissioner of the NBL in Canada uh, at that time, uh, David Magley, man, he he became one of my best friends for like, you know, three or four months. Um, and he's, he taught me so much about sports business, mm-hmm. you know, about sports management and, and how do you run a league and how do you sell franchises? And so for, for that, he actually allowed me to um, start a minor league professional basketball team at the age of like 24, 25. And of wow. course, I didn't have all the money in the world at that time. So I had to go and find uh, a partner. But guess who was my partner? My partner was this 72-year-old man uh, named Paul Dubose, who, who, who grandfathered me in because he was my sponsor to go play overseas. So he helped wow. me. He helped me go play overseas. I met David Magley. David Magley, you know, he said, hey, I love who you are. I love how you talk. I love how you connect with people. Come over here. I got an opportunity for you. And then me and Paul invested into the league, um, started our own team out in San Diego. I moved to La Jolla um, and, you know, I ran my first sports combine ever, man. It was just such a good (laughs) learning experience. But let's just say that that is a dream that I'll revisit after real estate. That's well <laughs> so, said, man. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. um, it was awesome, dude. I, you know, I think I told you before, um, I did also start a transportation company shortly after that. So I've started quite a few uh, businesses, different things that, um, that I just, I just felt were, were something that I was good at. Yeah. You know? Talk to us a bit about the transportation company. Like obviously growing up, seeing your dad in mm-hmm. the transportation industry, um, mm-hmm. d- did you feel like from seeing him, you had a pretty good understanding? Did you see a great opportunity in transportation? What got you into that as you were kind of making your transition out of basketball and full-time into entrepreneurship? Right. So when the minor league professional basketball team thing, that lasted for about maybe a year and five months because of the amount of money that you need to invest into that. It just wasn't it. Um, mm-hmm. It just wasn't something that we can fully accomplish, which it wasn't a total failure. It was just something that we had to stop. And then we moved, we moved on. And at that point I was like, okay, you know, I was in California already. I was around my parents. I talked to my dad about starting a transportation company. He sort of helped me take that off, but I went into box trucks, mind you, semi trucks are a whole different game. So my dad knows semi-trucks, class A vehicles, like the back of his hand. And for me, seeing him and what he can do, um, I just took the same model and I and I went and did my own box truck company. And um, man, this one was unexpectedly the best business that I've ever had up until this point. Wow. So, and, and that's what I'm trying to, you know, explain to people is I did this, failed, did this, failed. Here we are at a transportation company now and I think that was the first time I hit $1 million. Um, and, and I just say this humbly and respectfully, but I mean, I hit $1 million at the age of like 25, you know, going into 26, um, Alexander Transportation LLC, baby. That's, yeah. that's, that's what it was. And I had, I had about, you know, 16 box trucks running in Oregon in, uh, in Washington. And I had a good contact of mine named, uh, and if I pronounce this wrong, 
forgive me, but his name is Igor, Igor Litvinchuk. Okay. And so he's a, he's a Ukrainian uh, man that gave me the opportunity to work for him as a regional manager um, and kind of run my transportation company underneath his. Mm-hmm. It was, it was phenomenal, man. He, he, uh, he taught me so much, so much. I, I, I'm, I'm forever thankful for Igor. Um, you know, and after that, um, he just kind of said, hey, you can fly on your own, Devon. You're, you're good to go. And, so cool. and next thing you know, I'm in Arizona running box trucks. I'm in uh, California running box trucks. I, I think it was um, Nevada. We had two trucks on the ground there. So it was, it was cool, man. It was, that was more of like a fun, a fun thing for me because it was my father's passion more than mine. You know, yeah. I, was, I was flying my father uh, to Oregon to kind of just see what I had done in so little time, you know, and that was a, that was a three-year stint. I stopped that, um, in 20, 2021. So, okay. you know, and well, I, man, that's awesome. And I, I love that you've done a little bit of everything. The, the question that comes to mind is with a lot of entrepreneurs there, there's this, this idea, um, you bounce from idea to idea to idea. And a lot of times I think folks, try to juggle multiple things at once and then they're not Mm -hmm. doing anything really successful. So I'm curious, one, based on your experience, but two, maybe just advice you would give. Do you, and have you gone all in on one thing at a time, like the sports or the box trucks or the real estate? Has it always been laser focused one thing at a time? Or have you found that you've been able to balance and juggle multiple things at once? You know, Nick, that's that's uh, an excellent point because that's the reason I think my box truck business, not you know, some of it was passion. I just didn't have a passion to keep going. You know, when you you know, and, and mind you, during uh, COVID, uh, a twenty, I think when when did COVID come? Twenty nineteen, right? Twenty twenty ish. Transportation took off. There was a surge, and you would see um, truck prices. You know, were going through the roof. They went from 100k the previous year to about 180 to 200k sometimes, almost a, a double, hmm. a, a, a double um, increase in there. And so uh, there was a lot of investment um, decisions I had to make. And, and Nick, when you're when you're doing different things all at once, I don't advise. I don't advise that. I, I'm not saying it's not possible, but you really need to, as an entrepreneur, you really need to focus on starting something. And really going through those steps, especially when you're when you're doing a fed, federally federally regulated company like a transportation mm-hmm. uh, company. I mean, we got hit with so many compliance issues that I've never heard of, <laughs> and that those were those were those were simple learning curves for me. Sure. Like, okay, let me go ahead and just put this uh, training business on the side for a second and focus on the transportation company. Let me go ahead and and put this, uh, you know business over here that I'm dabbling in with Amazon FBA or whatever I was investing in at the time. You know, I think that you really need to dial it down um, and, or you at least need to uh, realize if you need to dial it down, it's, it's not bad if you need to take a step back on other things to stay laser focused. I do think that that's uh, a good advice for, for some young entrepreneurs, you know? I think that's great advice as well. And I got one more question related to, uh, to the transportation business Mm -hmm. and I guess related to your story in general. I mean, Mm -hmm. it sounds to me 
like you fundamentally learn by doing. Whereas a lot of uh, people or uh, people that want to be entrepreneurs, they feel like they got to read all the books, listen to all the podcasts and, mm-hmm. uh, and think about it and analyze and analyze and analyze. Yeah. And then ultimately they don't do stuff. Um, yeah. And I'm curious what the, I mean, one, if you think that's true or did you feel like when it came to your transportation company, you did spend a significant time of reading and learning and analyzing before you made the jump or was it just kind of like, yep, I see a good opportunity here. I got people around me and I'm going to just start building it and figuring it out. Yeah. Well, honestly, I, I think taking action is the most important thing as an entrepreneur, because that's, that's how you're going to get the most out of your, your investment. Um, and, and the books, they're all, they're all good, man. Every, you know, reading books and, and learning from people that have done it before on paper, that's always nice. But I think, uh, I, for me, at least it, it's about taking action and actually falling and getting back up. Um, because that, that's what gives you that, that, oh, man, that triumph at the end, dude, the tears of joy, mm. man. There's been times two, three in the morning. I'm like, Oh, how am I going to how am I going to get this, you know, pay, we got payroll and then we got the insurance and then, <laughs> you know, but, but it was so good. It was so good to go through. Um, and I, and I really, and I really do mean that. And the transportation company was the hardest grind on my mental, uh, mm. for me because you started to get so big and I tried it to expand so fast. Um, and I didn't have all the people that you were supposed to have. I didn't have the, you know, the operations manager in every state I tried, I tried to to do it, but, you know, you start learning that some people aren't going to take care of your trucks like you would, you know, and some people aren't going to, uh, you know, care about your business like you would. And I'm not saying that, you know, I've had bad employees. I've had the greatest employees and I've had the greatest managers, but the, the passion at the top, it's hard to mimic that in your, in yeah, your employees and in, in, in your managers. And I think most entrepreneurs know that. So, yeah, you know, but yeah. Um, and so then you, you did make a transition from the transportation company and into to real estate. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, was real estate something that was always on the radar for you that you knew you would eventually want to get into? Or did you make some connections with people where all of a sudden you saw a new opportunity in real estate that you wanted to pursue? Yeah, I, I followed pace. And like I said, that, that goes back to my point of doing a little bit of everything at once. I I followed pace and did some wholesaling um, back in 2018 and 19, and, and and these were a handful of deals, man. This was just kind of learning, and I was I was actually looking to buy a house in Arizona when that mm. market was like red hot and it was low priced, and you had all these different places like Gilbert, Arizona, I've never heard of, but yet you can get like a 3000 square foot house for like 350,000 or something. I was like, what is going on? So, uh, you know. Um, I, I learned, I learned a lot through watching Pace, even in his early videos, when he was uh, barely kind of getting his name out there. Um, and with the creative finance stuff that he was, he was creating, I, I always followed Pace since, since his early days. And so, um, a lot of, a lot of that was like 25%. Then as the years grew on, it started being 40 and 50. And then after the transportation company, I'm like, okay, man, I'm, I'm hundred percent into this, you know, mm. and I'm started doing my own deals. Um, buying own, my own properties and doing sub two deals and stuff like that. And I don't know if you guys know what sub two is, but I'm sure um, some people on the real estate world might might have a gist. 
Yeah, we'll give uh, for our listeners that might not be familiar with sub two and, and creative uh, finance, even with Pace Morby. I, I, I imagine most people um, that are listening have at least seen his videos on mm-hmm. social media. He's mm-hmm. he's done an amazing job with. Killing I, I got it. I yeah. am so curious what his spend is for paid ads on social media. Um, Dude, I I can't imagine that guy's marketing is crazy. So. It is, it is, uh, and I wish that I had the same level of energy that that guy has. Like, oh my word, he is enthusiastic. He is charisma. Like, uh, but uh, sorry. So on sub two, um, for anybody who's unfamiliar, kind of give us a, a high level overview of what that means. Yeah. So you know when people are uh, homeowners are searching for a home and they're traditionally going to go look for a mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. You know that. Sub sub two is is basically where you are going to the seller and offering to take their mortgage subject to their existing loan. So if they have a mortgage on the property already, let's say at a nice 2.75, 3% they bought it X amount of years ago, you're just going and you're taking over their loan so you don't have to go and, and get your own Wells Fargo at a 6.5 or 7% rate. Maybe eight. And then you're taking, yeah, eight, there you go. And, and, and you're, yeah. sort of, you're sort of um, really trying to find a good sweet spot for the seller and you. And obviously if there's equity in that home, we would do what was called a hybrid deal. And so you obviously assume or take over that mortgage subject too. And then you would basically just have a seller finance contract attached to that purchase and sale. And so you would actually be paying the seller payments like you would a bank. And so that's a, that's, that's a good, good way to not have your credit checked, to not have your income and document documents verified and to be able to get into a home if you're actually uh, not financial, financially lendable is what they would say. So, um, it's a it's a class that I love to teach. I love to teach newbies about it. You know, people that are really scared about, oh, I'll never buy a home. I'll never get into to the home that I want. No, you actually can, man. You actually can. So, That's yeah. Awesome. Well, and- no, and you're. I was going to say you're a phenomenal teacher, and I'm excited to send people your way so that they can um, learn that. But Nick, I cut you off, man. No, and I just was going to ask in terms of your story, you know, that the sub two is a big piece of it at this point. But curious, you know, you were following pace. Did you what what grew your love for real estate? Because you were you were doing basketball, you were doing business mm-hmm. with the box trucks, and you know you were in different business ventures. What kind of got you going on real estate? Was it a mentor? Was it Pace Morby? I mean, you know, because mentors have played a huge part in your life. So really, what got you going there? Pace Pace got me my first um, sub two contract in Washington. And so um, Pace was, I mean, you know, he, he's gotten so big now. So like what you, how you used to be able to communicate to him, you can't really communicate to him anymore. He's the big baller, I say. But like, um, mm-hmm. you know, Daisha, you know, my girlfriend, actually, she's been in real estate for about three and a half years now. And mm-hmm. so I've been close and tied to real estate through her. So a lot of the networking and connections and stuff like that, they've, they've slowly gradually came from her. And for me, uh, I just tied those two things together. And I'm a person that once I like learn something, you know, and I know that it makes money, I ask myself a simple question yes or no. And I, if it's a yes, I just dive in, man. I just take action. 
if I think that it's something that I can excel at and then I can pay it forward, real estate made the most sense. Um, mm. You know, I, I'm into a lot of podcasts, obviously your guys's, but I don't know if you guys know who Patrick Bet David is. But Patrick Bet David, he has a podcast called PBD Podcast, and I've been listening to listen to him for about uh, three years now. And you know, they talk about a lot of political real estate things, and you know, the market trends and stuff like that. And I I just got sucked into it, man. I got hmm. sucked into it. I started learning uh, private money, what that means, um, you know, and how to get private equity and venture capitalists. So it made the most sense for a guy like me to be able to do what I want to do for the rest of my life, which is not just real estate. Now it's, uh, it's to circle back to, to sports. I, I, I want to circle back and become a sports agent. And I think that real estate is going to provide that, that security for me long-term to be able to do that. So. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and I think that there is real estate is the what most proven asset in class. More millionaires are oh, made yeah. through real estate than any other industry or asset class. And I like the uh, the business mindset that you're bringing from your background from the transportation business. Like, there's a lot of folks that are they see themselves as real estate investors. And while I think that's true uh, for you, you do invest in real estate. Um, there's uh, there's more of a, a like you're you're helping facilitate um, the success of of real estate investors by uh, helping them with the financing, helping them with sourcing deals. It, it reminds me of like in the gold rush, there was all the people that were rushing to California to go and get the gold. And then there were all the guys uh, that were selling pickaxes um, <laughs> for all of the, the gold miners to stop in. And yep. there's a sense in which I feel like you're kind of set up to to be the, the pickaxe sales guy that's like, hey, I'm going to help you get your your gold, but there's a, a cool niche that you found um, so that you're you're not always having to, to scrap for every deal, but mm-hmm. you're able to, to source those and then help people realize them. Yeah. Um, it'd be fun to hear, I mean, what uh, what is the long-term Devon uh, goal? Like what's what's the dream for you, Ben? Man, I, 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 I watch sports every day. I make sure that I check sports center before I go to bed. Um, you know, because I, I love the athlete story, the athlete stories it's to my heart, you know, because I was, I was a kid that, you know, I grew, I was a late bloomer. I grew maybe five inches my, my sophomore year to my junior year in high school. And that's where really I, I became a, you know, a top prospect in California as a point guard. But for me, um, seeing people that come out of places like the Inland Empire, it means something to me. Um, it means something for kids to have another mentor that he's a little bit, you know, of a diverse guy. He doesn't have this this niche until he's about 24, 25. And I yeah. think that's okay, man. I think it's okay for people to kind of figure out their, their entrepreneurial spirit later. Um, mm-hmm. And this world is getting so hard, man. I mean, to me, for me, I think the middle class is now just be becoming absent, more and more absent. Um, yeah. It's just like you're either really making it or you're kind of struggling. Um, and so for for me, I want to help people. I just I, I've seen a lot of money. I've lost a lot of money. I've you know I've uh, I've learned, and and I think that I just want to continue to keep people motivated, um, keeping people motivated even when they don't have it figured out. I think you can still be successful to some degree, even if you're 
your passion is not, it hasn't came to you. And for me, um, I know what my passion is. And that entails on the, on the business side, becoming a really successful businessman. But I also want to help others along the way. And so that's why I'm saying real estate sounds nice and lovely. Um, I wouldn't mind continuing to do this if I had to do this for, for the rest of my life. But I think sports agent helping kids get into school or helping kids get into a team or helping kids or, or being just sort of a role model mentor when they need you there. Hey, Devon, how do I handle this situation? I'm, I'm at a club at 23 years old and there's this guy. and You know what I mean? There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that yeah. come into being an athlete. Um, that, that most, most athletes are seen sometimes as like, just, that's all they do. Like they're not, they're not humans. (laughs) So, so, you know what I mean? So I, that, that, that's, uh, relates to my heart a little bit. No, that's, that's super good. And I I love the heartbeat and the coach mentality with, with that and the mentor mentality. So really this question, I think you can take it a couple different ways, but I, I want Mm -hmm. you to think of it in the framework of being that mentor. So looking back on your journey, what are some things maybe you wish you did more or less of or differently and not, not with regrets in terms of, because Mm -hmm. you, like you've said, you've learned through the mistakes and you needed to go through them, but maybe looking back and thinking there, there's young people looking up to you. What advice are you giving to those people saying like, Hey, this is what I would have done differently or, you know, anything like that. You know, I get in Roberto DiGiulio, a mentor, he's a um, police sergeant uh, out of Hillsboro uh, Police Department. And he 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 trains and this dude can speak so well. He can tell you the best advice whenever you need it. And he's 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 always been there for me in my darkest times. And so, I mean, most most recently, he, he kind of asked me the same question as you just did. And I thought about it and I was like, I think I would say no, the word, just the word no, a little bit more than, than yes. Meaning, uh, slow down and, and, and start to define one thing at a time a little bit more. And that brought us back to that laser focus point, Nick, that you had mentioned earlier. I do think it's important to, to say no and don't say yes to every opportunity that comes your way. And that comes from the transportation company. And, you know, you get an email, and there's a job there and it says, hey, Devon, we need four trucks in Seattle, Washington by 1 p.m. I should have said, I should have said no. <laughs> but, but here I am. I said, OK, I got you. And I only have three trucks and I'm trying to go to Ryder and Enterprise and rent out a fourth. There's just so much. There's just so much that comes with saying saying yes before you're ready. And I think that's that's uh, an understanding that young people, they're just ready to go. They're ready to go. They're ready to get after it. They see money. They see opportunity. But analyze it a little bit more. You know, it's okay to say no and, and okay to not be ready. That's a really refreshing response because there is certainly a hustle culture that's pretty pervasive uh, on social media or for anybody who's um, in these spaces of whether it's real estate investing or entrepreneurship there's a pressure of like, do more, do more, do more faster, you know, mm-hmm. don't miss any opportunity, say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's always the promise tied to that of like, and, and that's how you're going to make your, your millions. That's how you're going to be set for life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, 
Yeah, maybe, but that's also how you're going to burn yourself out, how you're going to be extremely stressed. You're going to miss out on some mm-hmm. of the, the best years of your life with the yep. people that you love the most. So yeah. I really appreciate you saying, um, you know, slow down, uh, focus, be willing to, to say no to uh, some things so that you can say yes to the yes. best things. Yes. Um, that's that's really important. And kind of going back to just your um, your dream for, for your life. I mean, I love that. That's why so much of why we wanted to have you on the show, because your heartbeat is to, to help people, not just to um, create a whole bunch of wealth for yourself so that you've got this fat padded bank account. But because from the very get go, you said uh, goal retire my dad goal, help other people escape, um, the middle, well, shrinking middle class, help them escape lower class. And, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think, um, a lot of folks have this limiting belief that, um, that, well, I, that could never be me. I could never make a million dollars. Certainly not by the time I'm 24, 25, like you did. You know, I think a lot of people, uh, set themselves up thinking that way. And it's kind of interesting to me. You said you've made a lot of money. You've lost a lot of money. Um, and I think that there's probably a degree to just seeing a lot of money in the world uh, helps you realize there's so much out there. Mm-hmm. You can make it. But mm-hmm. what what were some of the other things that um, helped in overcoming limiting beliefs that you have? And what would be advice that you'd give to others that, that feel like, Devon's amazing. Uh, I love him, but I could never do what he's doing. Mm-mm, man, um, you know, that goes back to my first initial fall in love with the process uh, mm-hmm. from my from my early days is that, you know, you get caught up in setting a goal. And you've I've heard you guys say this on your podcast before where you reach for the moon and or aim for the moon and reach the stars. I'm sorry. You know, you guys know what I'm trying to say. But I'm laughing because I've heard you guys. But I mean that that right there in itself, it's it it's it's the core it's the core of my understanding, man. It's it's how I have to teach. I have to teach that, hey, this is what you're doing now. You have to put your all hundred percent into this simple task. Simple wins, daily deposits. Kobe Bryant says it all the time about falling in love with the process and his Mamba mentality, man. And, and he was my favorite um, basketball skilled player. Um, I will take him over Jordan any day. But but hey, that's, let's not get into that. Um, but but you know, I'm with you. Okay, <laughs> dude was unreal. But but you know, like you look you look at guys like really, really, really good men in the world. Like I'm, I'm an advocate for, for Steph Curry being a role model to younger kids because the way he carries himself as a family man. And so I I try to start with defining yourself. And I tell this to my students, defining yourself first on what you want to be, what do you want to be known as, and what do you want Mm -hmm. to leave your legacy as? Because, you know, at the end of the day, the money, man, you can't take it with you. So if you can take something with you, it's probably going to be everything that people say about your legacy. So that's, uh, that's for me, Nick, like what's most important to teach at a younger time in your entrepreneurial journey. It's like you have to define and be sticking to that every single day. 
you have to define who you are and who you want to be. And this this simple job or task or this thing that's going to make me money, that can't be that can't be your love in itself. It has mm-hmm. to be. It has to be. Oh, I understand that I'm about to go through adversity and hell. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to under. You have to understand it and realize it and really soak it in. Some people will say it, you know, but when it actually comes, they fold and they fold. It could be for a variety of things, but having a support system is huge. Uh, having a, having mentors are really really lucky. But um, you know, you build that support system. I, that support system, I think by allowing the right people in your life, man. And that starts with who you want to be. So that's so Yeah. No, I, I love the lessons learned along your journey. I love the things that, you know, mentors have instilled in you, your heart of giving back your desire to coach desire to mentor. Is that just a part of who you are or have you seen that modeled by people and you know, in that that's propelled you to, to fuel your desire for your, your life. Mom and dad, Roberto DiGiulio, uh, David Magley, Paul DuBose, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I can keep going on and on. Jim, Jim Shaw, Lance Marr, all these people, all these people, um, they just kind of molded me, but my mom and dad, my dad, he coached a travel ball team. I was on it. I seen all the kids come into our house sleeping over (laughs) because, you know, their parents had work or their family situation or home situation was different. Um, you know, my mother, you know, bringing us to church, making us go to church at 830 in the morning. And obviously at eight or nine, you're kind of like, uh, why am I, why am I getting <laughs> up to do this? But then it, but then it, it means something later when you actually experience God and, and giving, giving my life to, to Jesus and God was, was that turning point and that solidifying, like, okay, I experienced this now, now, now I feel now I feel completely good. Nothing, nothing can take me down. And so those, those spiritual mind, body, and spiritual things, they're important, man. But the spiritual one kind of connects the mind and body together. So for me, at least. No. And that's such a great point in, in a lot of times when we talk about abundance on this show, we're often referring to wealth and financial Mm -hmm. success. But I think as you rattled off those names, uh, the abundance mindset from each of those people was to give generously with what they were able to give. And it wasn't mm-hmm. limited to money. It wasn't limited to, you know, okay. some of it was knowledge. Some of it was mentors. Some of it was open in their home. You know, it was different right. levels. And that is true abundance mindset of yeah. it's better to give than receive. Oh, man, I'm more than more than blessed, more than blessed to have those people uh, in my life and, and teach me what they know from insurance sales and fire damage control from Paul DuBose to uh, going on police rides with Roberto DiGiulio and seeing what actually they those guys go through on a day-to-day. Mm-hmm. It just puts things, in, things into perspective, man. It really does. Yeah. Well, that's great that you're standing on the shoulders of those giants and you're, you're elevating it. Um, you know, you're not just uh, taking and hoarding the, the time and investment that those people have put into you, but that you're actually um, getting a return on the investment that others have made in you. And you're sharing that now with, mm-hmm. uh, with kind of the next uh, generation of, of up-and-comers that are wanting to follow Trying in to. your footsteps. Trying no, to, baby. You, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're off to an amazing start, like you said. You know, you got that old soul vibe, but you're 29, <laughs> man. You got you got a lot of, you know, God willing, a lot of road ahead of you still to run. And so, got some uh, mileage on these knees, man. Mileage on these <laughs> knees. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's incredible what you've uh, accomplished and the mentality that you've brought to your life. And um, so, I, yeah, uh, I love it. Um, Nick, you want to turn to some, some golden nuggets, my man? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Devon, we mentioned it to you, but we have a few questions we ask all of our guests. And as with most of our guests, I think we hit a few of these topics just through the course of conversation, but Mm -hmm. I I love to circle back around to them and just kind of put a stamp on it. So the first one here is I'm going to have you pick one of the five F's of abundant journey. Just pick one of these and it's a way that you're focused on growing this year. So Mm -hmm. those are family, finance, faith, fitness, and future. So tell us one you're working on this year and how you're working on growing. Faith. I would say faith. Um, you know, my my faith in God has always been there, but we we all can get lost in the in the business world. And I think um, you know, sometimes sometimes God he reminds you that hey, you know, like take it take it take a step, you know, and remember that who you are, um, you know, why why you're here. And I think my faith in God and, and connecting more people to God and and pushing that it, it's important to me and I don't you know I don't want to get into the religious talk or anything like that but I I just want people to know that he's real <laughs> you know and, and and you know that when you experience him so no that's good that's that's something we should always all be striving to work towards so I love that one next yeah. one here what's a quote from a book or mentor that stuck with you along your journey um man I you know what's crazy is I haven't read a book in probably about a year, which is bad. Um, but You've been busy, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like a full from cover to cover. You know, uh, yeah. it's been a year, and I'm actually starting to read um, Extreme Ownership um, oh, nice. about that seal seal uh, seal three seal team three. Um, yeah. And and so I'm reading that right now. But if I had to put a quote, it would come from from uh, from Kobe, and. I don't know if you know his Mamba out speech when he was before his, his last I've game. Heard of that uh, yeah, yeah, and it and it went something along the lines of that, um, you know, basically when you're getting up at six in the morning and you're working out and you're you're doing something that you don't want to do and your body's telling you you're tired, that is actually the dream. And what he's basically referring to is hmm. that some people get confused that the dream looks like something but it's actually going through something and hmm. that and that is what i i i think stuck with me the most because some people don't get to experience failure because failure can look like you've succeeded for two years but failed on the third and that is something i think that um i understood from from kobe uh really well when he said that that's a good mm-hmm. one i love that Next one here, what's a dream or goal that you have that you've not been able to make happen yet? Hmm. Well, um, I mean, Nick knows this from real estate. I want to get my my first uh, private equity uh, multifamily unit deal going. And I, I, I yeah. want to be able to own like my own community build. That is, that is a huge goal of mine um, in the next two to three years. I want to be able to 
to have my name on a building or VSG on a building, and that's the VSG community. Um, you know, that's that's something that matters uh, to me. It's 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 for my family name, um, and and yeah, that's that's the biggest one on my list right now. That's good. Well, we're excited to watch and and see how that continues to happen, and we're excited to see when that uh, becomes a reality for you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. Well, last one here. So at the end of your life, what do you hope you'll be remembered for? I hope that people will remember um, me as a man of God. And uh, and, and and that's most importantly. But I I want people to know that I did everything I can to to pay it forward. And I I did everything I can to... um, help as many uh, people as I can and get out of, and, you know, I'm a bit a big advocate for, um, people getting out of mental depression. I've experienced some friends and some family members that have gone through some tough, tough times. And so, um, you know, that part is a big motivation for me and, and just driving people continue to keep kicking, man. And that's what I want on my tombstone, continue to keep kicking, you know? Yeah. So that's something that, uh, that drives me is, is, continuing to have my legacy reach people. Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, I love the consistency. I mean, I think another, uh, that would be an amazing line on your tombstone. <laughs> just just keep you, kicking. Then you see uh, the ground dirt, just like, yeah. the dirt just like, <laughs> it's a little, little thumps there. Yeah, a little. <laughs> um, and, and it's consistent with uh, the Mamba Out uh, quote and with just your advice to all entrepreneurs of, hey, Fall in love with the process. Find your process and just keep doing it. You know, yeah. stick yeah. to it. Find what you love and just keep going. Push through the failures. Push through the setbacks. And you don't know exactly what turns uh, life is going to take, what opportunities are, are going to open up for you. But if you fall in love with the process, it seems like good things are, are going to happen. And that, uh, that seems to be um, uh, a big part of your, your story. So man, I I'm so grateful for your time and for everything that you've gotten to share here. And yeah. um, more than just listening to the podcast, I want for people to be able to connect with you. And mm-hmm. so um, I imagine there's a few different ways that folks can connect with you. Um, there's certainly folks that um, if they want to learn about uh, private private equity, if they want to learn about um, different real estate investing opportunities with you, where would you have those folks go? Sure. Thanks, Nick. Um, they can go to uh, vsgconnect.com. And there's a couple different ways to get involved uh, with our company out there, either as a property scout or as an investor or whatever it is that your niche in real estate is and or whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for funding, um, we also help with that as well. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Devon underscore DV. Um, you know, there might be a basketball picture on there, too, but Try to stay focused on the real estate side, <laughs> and then you got to um, be real, man. That's yeah, good. <laughs> and then I'm I'm also on on Facebook now. Recently, I didn't have it for years until the real estate stuff a couple years ago. But um, Facebook is a good way to connect me, connect with me too. Cool. So, and I'll post those links. Make it easy for uh, for people to to find you. And then I know that um, you're in the process of you've recently launched your coaching and mentorship 
program. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's a really exciting thing that you've um, put together. And so if there are folks that are like, man, Devon, teach me, teach me your <laughs> ways. Uh, do you have a place that you want those folks to go? Yeah. If they actually go on my website, we're doing some remodeling on there right now, but there'll be a, a link that they can click and sign up for that for that mentorship program. And it's really simple. Um, we offer different things like payment plans and stuff like that. So um, it would be really cool to see more people get involved in the local community. I'd love it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. This has uh, been such a great conversation. I, I feel like, especially with you being local, uh, we'll have a follow-up show to you know check in again and, and see what other lessons we can uh, we can pull from you. Uh, but listeners, thanks so much for joining us and make sure to check out abundantjourney.net if you haven't already sign up for that newsletter that's been coming out weekly. And uh, also, would you leave us a, a review, a, a five star, subscribe, share the podcast with a friend? That's the number one way that uh, we grow and that uh, you can show some appreciation for the the time spent here and all the wisdom that Devon has distilled. Thank you guys for having me, man. I really appreciate doing this. This was awesome. It's been great. Thanks, everybody.